Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Um, you know, as many of you have already heard, based on the member vote that happened this past Sunday and the recommendation of the board to us, Jessica and I are honoring the board's recommendation and choosing the path of peace for the sake of Celebration Center. And what we and the board all believe is best for the church moving forward right now. We have chosen not to appeal. Now, please hear me clearly on this. I, I need you to understand this. There is zero animosity between me and the church board. We are all on the same page that this is what is best right now for Celebration Center. And something else I need you to hear is that in a time like this, it is vital, no matter where you stand on an issue, don't let the issue become the main thing. Let love and unity be the aim and the goal in all that you say and all that you think and all that you do. Celebration Center is Jesus's church. It's no one person's church. It's not a group of people's church. It, it belongs to Jesus, all right? And Jesus is with and for Celebration Center just as he's with and for my family. So please join with me in making love and unity the most important thing right now. We deeply care. My family deeply cares for all of you. And we did not make this decision lightly. We are absolutely confident that God has good plans for all of us. So please trust him. Please trust us. And please trust the leadership here at Celebration Center. Many of you were not expecting this. I know I'm one of you, all right? I did not expect this to be the outcome here. After all, I had planned to be here for a long, long time. But you know what? Jesus isn't surprised. And in the middle of him not being surprised, he is also still good. He is still faithful. No matter what happens, no matter what surprises or storms we encounter. So today we are going to consider what to do because Jesus is faithful and he is good and he's unsurprised by all of it. What do we do when we're caught in the middle of a scary emotional, relational, or physical storm? Because in the midst of the storms we face, God wants us to have a perspective that allows us to praise him through it. No matter what may come, no matter what things we may face. Listen to these words from the Apostle Paul. This is 2 Corinthians from uh, chapter 4. Paul says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed and broken. We are perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. Through suffering, these bodies of ours constantly share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Notice this give and take here. We go through the pain, we go through the suffering so that God is glorified and, and we're glorified along with him eventually. Skipping down to verse 16. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day for our present Troubles are quite small and won't last very long. 
yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. Let's pray. Father, we need you. We need your perspective. We need, um, we just need you. We lay ourselves at your feet. We cast ourselves. We cast this whole situation. We cast everything at your feet as we choose to walk forward in love and in unity together, no matter what. God, we cast ourselves on you. Rather than seeking even to understand every little nook and cranny of everything, rather, Lord, we seek to trust you in this. So help us to do that this morning. Help us to learn how to trust you more and how to have this perspective that we're talking about this morning, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you guys, here's the deal. We've all got a forecast, just like you look at the weather, on whether it's your phone or you're watching the news or whatever, there's a forecast for the weather. The forecast for all of our lives is this. One of the greatest realities of life is that no one life, excuse me, no one lives a storm-free existence. We all encounter them. We all have tough situations that come upon us, sometimes out of nowhere. Sometimes they're of our own making. Sometimes they're not. It doesn't matter. But the, the storms come. And when they come, they can freak us out. They can cause us to fear and maybe even lose faith. No one lives storm-free. And since that's true, the only thing we can ask is, what should we do when the storms come? Not if, when. So I want us to look at a storm experience Jesus and his disciples had and what we can learn from their experience. This is Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. This is a great account. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app, you can open up there. I'm reading out of the NIV. Matthew 8, 23 through 27. I'm going to read it here. You can follow along. Then he, Jesus, got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and their waves excuse me, and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Just prior to this experience on the lake, Jesus had been involved in some very intense and powerful work, all right? In verse one of this chapter, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. In verse 5, a Roman centurion comes to him and asks Jesus to heal his servant, and Jesus does it without actually even going to the centurion's house, all right? He just says it, and it happens. Pretty amazing. In verses 14, Jesus and the guys end up at Peter's house, and Peter's mother-in-law is in bed and sick with a fever. She, it, it, it's looking like she's going to die, and Jesus heals her. She gets up, and she starts waiting on, on uh, Jesus and the disciples, 
And then to round out the day, in the evening, we see Jesus still hard at work. Verse, uh, chapter 8, verses 16 and 17 say, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. It had been an amazing and an exhausting day of kingdom work for Jesus. And from there, he enters into a boat with his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake, the Sea of Galilee, which was uh, 12 miles long and six miles wide, all right? So this, is, this isn't a small body of water. He's going to cross to the other side of the lake. And Jesus is tired and he falls asleep in the boat when without warning, you got to understand that without warning, this thing just suddenly comes up. You ever feel like life does that to you? Just things out of the blue suddenly come up. A furious storm hits them. Now, here's a couple of things you need to know. Most of the disciples were fishermen by trade. They had been on this particular lake many times. They had experienced a wide range of things here. And generally in that time when fishermen saw a storm on the horizon, they'd call it a day. They fished with nets that couldn't be handled in the storm. So, and, and they did this from boats that weren't made to ride in rough seas. These were, these were literally just for fishing. They'd just get you out there, get your fish, get back to the, to the shore. But this storm caught them by surprise. And it was, it was kind of like the perfect storm, right? It was a bad one. In fact, the phrase used here in verse 23 for furious storm in, in, in the Greek is magus seismos, okay? It, it literally means great shaking. This was furious. This was huge. This was a big deal. This was no ordinary storms. The, the waves were huge. The winds were horrible. And the disciples were in chicken little mode. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. I remember a time I was out fly fishing with some friends on the Deschutes River in, in central Oregon. And uh, all of a sudden, it, it had been a pretty nice day. All of a sudden, this thunder cell rolls overhead. And um, you know how you can you can see the flash of lightning count and you know the seconds and see how far away the storm actually is. It was like flash boom, flash boom like that, and it was loud. And here I am holding a uh, a, a graphite fly rod, right? So what do I do? I drop the fly rod. I I get away, man. It's like okay, what what do I need to do to hide at this point? I I I understand where the disciples were coming from, even though I wasn't actually out on the water. The disciples knew what this kind of storm could do. And it says in verse 25 that they were convinced they were going to drown. But what's Jesus doing in the middle of this? He's sound asleep in the stern of the, of the boat. He's apparently oblivious to all that's happening. Now, before we go any further, let me ask you, have you ever been in a storm and felt like Jesus was taking a nap? Seriously, have you ever felt like God was oblivious to your situation and unaware of what was going on in your life? And let's get painfully honest here. Have you ever wondered if he really 
actually cares. I've had many times like that. I remember a time in particular, I was going through a rough patch. And as I was going through it, um, I clearly heard Psalm 31 verse 5, which is the last line of Jesus on the cross where he looks to heaven and from the cross he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Lots of times I've read those words and I've looked at them like, you know what, Jesus is just giving up his life. He's choosing to give up his life here. And, and I, I think there's an element of that, but something that struck me in this particular moment is that Jesus, as he's hanging on the cross, is reaffirming in the middle of the pain and the suffering and the shame and everything else that he's going through. He's reaffirming from the cross what he had said in the garden. Remember, in the garden, he prayed, if it at all possible, let this cup pass by me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And from the cross, he's basically here saying the same thing. I am still with you, God. I'm still following you. I am still trusting you. Listen, God is more interested in teaching us about trusting him through our situations than he is in getting us out of our situations. Let me say that again. God is far more interested in, in teaching us to trust him through the situation so that we are faithful to him, so that we are attached to him in everything, in every way. He's more interested in that than he is in getting us out of our situations. Look, at, look back at the passage we just read. Who did Jesus speak to first after he woke up? He didn't speak to the storm first. He spoke to the disciples. Look at it again. Verse 25, the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. I want us to see the picture of what's going on here. Jesus is waking from a deep sleep brought on by complete exhaustion. And a storm hits. The disciples get in his face saying, you got to do something. We're going to die here. You've got to do something. And before Jesus does anything about the storm, he actually chastises his disciples for having little faith. And being afraid. I'm thinking maybe Peter at this point is on the verge of going from fear to anger. I, I, I know honestly, I probably would be. You probably would be. How do, I mean, don't you see our situation? Don't you care about this situation? This is real. But Jesus wanted them to learn trust. Why did Jesus speak to them before he calmed the storm? Number one on your outline. The secret to survival in the storm is to snuggle up with Jesus and rest. The secret to survival in the storm is to snuggle up with Jesus and to rest. It's all about trust. Now, I know that may not sound very spiritual, but it is. Snuggle up to Jesus means that we draw near to him and we relax. 
We rest. We trust. The best thing the disciples could have done that night on the lake in the storm was to find a spot next to Jesus and take a nap. Think about that. It's counterintuitive. It's the opposite of our natural inclinations. We usually try to do anything and everything we can to get out of the pickle we're in, don't we? I imagine the disciples are bailing water out of the boat like crazy. And then when it dawns on us that all our work is not enough, we turn to God and expect him to fix it and to fix it immediately. But nothing demonstrates our faith, our trust, or our God confidence better than to rest in God in the midst of the storm. I love the words of David in Psalm 62. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my rock and my refuge. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Listen, I know it's hard to hear, especially when you're in the middle of a storm. But before we get out of our storm, we need to get something from our storm. We need to understand that God can and does want us to learn something in the storm. Most of the time, you and I are just like the disciples, right? We just want out and we want out now, but there is no better place to grow than in the storms of life. James says this in chapter one of James, dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. I look back now and see so many things God has taught me through storms in my life. Listen, God is not mean, but he is absolutely committed to your growth. So what do you do when the storm hits and you're tempted to freak out? How can you have big faith rather than big fear? Let me quickly give you a few things. So here's point number two. And don't worry, we're going to go through these quickly, okay? Point two, get perspective by remembering. Remember, first of all, who is in your boat? Jesus, the miracle worker, was right there with the disciples. All that day they had seen him heal the sick and set the demonized free, but somehow in the midst of that storm, they lost sight of who was in their boat. Remember, Jesus is with you always and forever. There is nothing that will change that. Remember the truth of Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. It's not the circumstance. It's the presence of God. It's the presence of the one who is with us. So remember who is in your boat. B, remember who is really in ultimate 
control. The Bible says that God is all-knowing, God is all-powerful, and God is everywhere always. I know there are times when it seems like no one is in control and everything is being sucked down into a black hole. Get me. Hear me. I, I get it. I understand that. But despite what we see or think or feel in those times especially, we need to stop and remember the key to crisis control is Christ control. Let me say that again. The key to crisis control is Christ control. Paul said this in Philippians 3, Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Jesus is the one who is in control. We need to remember that. Letter C. Remember that no matter what is happening now, now is not forever. No matter what is happening right here, right now, now is not forever. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says, So we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. You see, as Christ followers, we have a perspective on life that is not fatalistic or pessimistic. We have an eternal hope that sustains and carries us through the storms. Some Christians misunderstand God's present or promise, excuse me. They, they mistakenly think that he has promised us an easy life, but that just isn't the case. What he has promised is an eternal life. Not necessarily an easy one. He's promised us his presence. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. No matter what you face today, you guys, today is not forever. The truth is, no one likes storms. No one does. But you guys, we don't grow without them. So what are we going to do? Are we going to seek to understand every little nuance and every little detail? Or are we going to seek to deepen our trust? What are we going to do? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your presence with us. Thank you for your love that carries us. God, it, ultimately it's you who causes us to stand. So I ask, Father, that for Celebration Center for me and my family, for everybody who is hearing this message, that you would cause us to stand. You would cause us to stand in love and in unity, that together we would seek peace, that we would seek wholeness, and, and God, that you would be glorified because you waste nothing. You take everything into yourself and you make it all about your story and all about what Jesus has done and you bring redemption through the darkest times, through the darkest situations and, and, and God, you make all things good. Father, calm hearts, calm minds right now. 
God, I, I don't ask that you do that with answers and with complete understanding about everything, but just with your presence. Holy Spirit, be our peace right now. Have your way in each of us and through each of us and have your way in and through Celebration Center. We still look forward to all, Father, that you are going to do because you are good and you are with us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, thanks for joining with us this morning. Um, like I said, my last Sunday is the 13th of September, so I'm still with you for a couple more weeks. And I look forward to talking with you and to praying with you. And um, yeah, God's got us. He's good. He's with us. Jesus is leading us. And, and the Holy Spirit is giving us God's actual presence. You guys, go be at peace today in the presence of our good God.